Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Happy New Year, even though this is the second episode of the year, right? So, um, but hey, Happy New Year anyway. What's up? Yeah, I think you have to quit saying it though now, because it's the 8th. Yeah, we're recording on the 8th. You There's guys will get this on the 9th. So. It's a rule. Is there a rule? We can't, we can't yeah. say this anymore. After the 7th. After the 7th? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, screw you then. No Happy New Year's. Hope your New Year is I'm just kidding. I done. saw that on Facebook. Seriously? Well, that's a lie then. No. You know what? Say what you want to say when you want to say it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. So. What are we talking about today? Well, I know that there were a lot of people that probably got new dogs around the holidays because they were going to be home. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we would talk today about kind of the top recommendations that I give to um, owners that bring in new dogs, whether it's a puppy, adolescent, adult, whether they have dogs in their home already or it's their only dog. But there are just some things I think that every dog really would benefit from being in a new home. Okay. So I figured some do's and don'ts right. with that. Cool. Uh, before we get into that, though, real quick, uh, we do have some exciting things coming up for our local uh, listeners. We have some seminars coming up, our wellness seminars coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be really such a good seminar. It's jam-packed. It is jam-packed full of information for a simple $45 per person. BYOB, come hang with us. Mm -hmm. I will actually not be teaching anything, believe it or not. In fact, like, it, it's sort of like also $45 to hang out with Nikki. Well, there you go. <laughs> and bring alcohol to share. It'll be, you know, that's or a bonus. if you don't drink, that's fine too. Just yeah, bring just whatever you want. Bring whatever you want. But yeah, so uh, you can register with everything on the website. So go and check that out. We have some really cool social hours coming up. If you want your dog to learn how to sit on a patio or hang out at a brewery with you and be able to handle all those distractions, we have classes um, that you can do with us as a group. And we'll be doing those all over town. So you can uh, check out when those 
are going to happen. Um, and they're on the website as well. And you can sign up for everything. And, and those, uh, those hour, social hour classes that we're doing, those are very limited on how many we can take per class. So get signed up. Yep. Um, and we will be launching the membership uh, in February. And I am super excited about the membership. I think the most, the, the most, the mosty, the biggest thing I'm excited about is our new treat bags. Yeah. Um, we've got a client of ours custom making our treat bags and they will have our uh, dog speak crack pack um, on them. And we're super excited. But guess what, guys? You only get it if you're a member. It's free to our members. All members will get a free treat bag. Doggy crack pack. Dog speak crack pack. So we're excited about that. And uh, so just check everything out on the website. Because um, our 23 has changed. We are no longer doing our group classes um, at the farm. Um, but they may be coming up with some more group classes. So you can check those out. Um, we are taking our stuff on the road. Yeah. Uh, so Seminars are still at the farm. Yep, seminars yeah. will still be at the farm. We had somebody ask us that um, the other day. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we will still be doing seminars right now at the farm. Um, we are looking for our own location. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, we are looking to open up uh, something that allows us to have a training building uh, for day training or physical therapy, um, rehab that Amanda's going to be doing, cooperative care, seminars. We, we've got so many things that we've got ideas about for 2023. So hang in there with us. Um, but until the, until that time, we do have some adventures that you can go on with us, uh, including learning how to go hiking with your dog. And if you want your dog to go to the dog park, but you're nervous, we actually have a class for that too, um, where one of our trainers will go to the dog park with you and about two to three other people. Again, it's going to be very small and uh, you can, can learn. So super excited about that. Uh, yeah. Yep. So always trying to give you guys resources. Now, oh, you know the other thing I wanted to do, and I will have to um, print this off, but I have some, we have some listener questions to get to. Oh, okay. As well. So um, okay. I have them stored. So we will get to the listener questions at the end of the episode. Okay. All right. So when you bring a dog home, I want to start with kind of the don'ts, because there's just a few of those. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's... Mainly, it's it's not like, oh my God, these are absolutely things you cannot do and do not do. But there are a few things that people tend to do that, that, that probably not the best idea. The first thing when you bring a new dog home, you're excited, right? And hopefully you're, you know, if you have an established dog in the house, you know, they've already kind of done their meet and greet wherever you rescued the dog or, so that's not what this episode's about. But once your dog is in the home... I think a lot of times, especially with puppies, people make the mistake of they want everybody in the family, all their friends, their kids' friends to meet the dog. Mm -hmm. One, because they're excited about having a new addition, but also because in their mind, they're like, well, we have to socialize. I highly recommend when you, when you bring a dog home, do not overwhelm them. You need to give them a few weeks to get settled in. So don't be throwing a puppy party. The weekend you get the dog or even the next weekend, I'd give about three weeks for kind of decompression settling in. doesn't mean you can't have one or two people over, but don't overwhelm. It's and the sort of opposite of what I think we've been taught in the past or what we have taught in the past of socialization for puppies that, you know, they need to see this many people within a certain amount of time and 
Um, You're right. I mean, because we used to say socialize, 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 and, mm-hmm. and make sure they meet, you know, 300 people. And now we're backing down and backing up on that because new research. Yeah. Right. It's important we stay up to date on the research so that we can do the best for the dog. Um, so, yeah, you might have heard those things, but now it's really about kind of cutting back and not overwhelming the dog when you get them in. Um, another thing is, <laughs> and this isn't about the dog itself, really. I mean, it's more about for people. And this is, this is just very natural for people to do. Don't compare your new dog to either the dog that's living in the house or the dogs you've had in the past. If everyone could see my face right now, looking at Nikki. We're all guilty of doing that. Are we not? I I would say you are guilty of doing that. I am guilty of doing that. Um, and, and that's why I want you guys to listen when I say don't do that. Because it, here's an example your last dog loved to play fetch this dog doesn't like to play fetch but you're trying to force the dog to play fetch because your last dog played fetch well if that's not what this new dog wants to do don't force it and don't be like well are you just dumb you don't want to play fetch what kind of dog are you not every dog actually enjoys fetch and some dogs who chase the ball aren't really doing it for the chase they're doing it for the um for the the item itself right of just obtaining the item itself but the chase has to happen just to grab the ball and hold on to it. So we've talked about that in a few episodes of your dog may not actually like to fetch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They- and we get this a lot too, where someone will say, well, I'm a long time guardian of such and such breed, but this new one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't, you know, not, I mean, obviously we talk a lot about breed, um, characteristics and predispositions and things like that. But, you know, when someone's like, oh, my God, my last four dogs, my f- last four Goldens were not like this. This one is like a um, little monster. Oh, absolutely. Um, And, you know, a lot goes into that. One, it's where did you get the dog? What's its background? What changes have happened in your home over the last 10 years since you've had a puppy? You know, think about that, especially as... Um, I think as children move out of homes, this is this has been one I've heard um, where suddenly someone's an empty nester and they get a new puppy. Oh, yeah. And I don't think they they're so probably used to like just the chaos of children in general, like everything that's happening as a f- like day to day family stuff that you don't realize, you know, they're how much work went into it or because you had kids there to help you. Yeah. And now as an empty nest, sort of, sort of kept them entertained to some degree. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and now you're like, why does this puppy have so much energy? Well, you might've forgotten that. Yeah. Your kids helped wear those dogs out a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. That's a excellent example. And I mean, as we get older, the less energy we have too. sometimes I bite your tongue. Right. So I'm I mean, trying not to, I'm talking about me. Like, well, whatever. And you're way younger than me. Whatever. I mean, come on. But, I mean, that's the thing is we just don't need to to try to mold that dog into being like the dog we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. I've made that mistake. But truly understand that dog for who they are. And take those few weeks, right? Take those three weeks as they're kind of decompressing and, and figuring out their new environment. 
take those three weeks and try to just learn about your dog. Make a journal, write it down, what your dog likes, what your dog doesn't like, and really get to know the dog um, instead of trying to mold the dog into something it's not. Um, and then the last don't I have, until we go into, and then we're going to go right into the do's, because for me, I like the do's more than the don'ts. Yeah. Don't force the new dog to have to spend time with an existing dog, right? Don't force them to like sleep in the same room together if they don't want to, or be crated side by side, um, or be locked away when you're gone side by side. Uh, because right now, you got to think about when you bring in a new dog, it's it's a forced marriage between these two dogs, and they need to have their own space, and then let them choose when they want to spend time like that together, mm-hmm. right? So that's just, that's the other one. Just let them on their time try to build their relationship. Don't force it. If you just give it time, they'll figure it out and work it out. All right? Make sense? All right. Do. What do you think I would say, and I showed you my notes, but I don't know if you actually read them, although I didn't really put them in order. What would you think, though, if I said, you know, you need to do this one thing, this very first thing that you need to kind of do when you bring a dog home? And this is after, like, they've gotten used to the yard, they've met the family. We're talking, you know, the starting the life moving forward. I didn't actually read your notes. Oh, okay. I just looked and saw that you had a list. Awesome. One more. Glad you're, glad you're invested there. <laughs> no, I, think, I didn't do it on purpose. So invested. I think in my mind, I thought I, re- I read it. Like, I looked at it, and I was like, okay. Uh, so I don't actually know what you'd say. Um, let me take a stab in the dark. Yeah, that, do that. Um, set expectations. Yes, very good. For real? For real. Is that really what it is? Yes. See, I'm a dog speak geek. Yeah, you are. I love it. Um, yeah. No, I swear I did not. I no, did not you did, well, I didn't put them in order. And actually, when I put set expectations, it was kind of down the list. Oh, okay. Well. I do think it's important that we set expectations in the beginning. If you can think about anything that you've gone to. So think of like going to a new job, right? You're there when you walk into that new job, they're going to set your expectations first and foremost. If they don't, you're not going to have a really good time at that job, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be nervous. You're going to have no confidence because you're like, what? I don't know. I mean, I know my job, but, you know, this is a new place. Setting expectations are important. And what I mean by setting ex- expectations is, first of, first of all, know what your family wants as far as rules, right? Talk about, are we going to allow the dogs on furniture? Where are the dogs, where would we like the dogs to sleep, mm-hmm. right? Um what is the schedule going to look like as far as going out to potty, exercise, um, enrichment, you know, and, and really overall, what are the rules? And I think that a lot of times people will bring in dogs and they, and especially dogs that have been uh, rescued or adopted at an older age, mm-hmm. they let them kind of just be willy nilly for a couple of weeks because they want them to feel loved. But in reality is the dogs will do much better if you just straight up start setting those expectations. You don't want them having to guess in a new environment what the rules are, mm-hmm. what, what's going to happen if I do this, right? So little things like, you know, uh, again, furniture, sleeping arrangements, uh, potty breaks, 
How do we want the dog to tell us to go potty? They may not even know how. You may have to start housebreaking with this dog. So just think about, you know, some of those things. Are you going to allow jumping? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about barking? Right? Now, we're not going to stop barking. We've talked about that before. Uh, We can interrupt it. But the family needs to be on board. Right? Some people in a family might be like, oh, I love it when they come up and they woo-woo-woo at me. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else is like, I hate it when they woo-woo at me. Mm -hmm. So we have to come to a compromise. Right? So... It's not fair to the dog for him to go woo-woo at you and get treats and then get woo-wooed at me, and I'm just like, nope, ignoring, walking away, or even punishing the dog, right? which I'm not going to do. But it's just important that we set those expectations. So talk as a family. Know what you want, right? So when people say, I just don't want my dog um, jumping on guests. All right, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know. I don't care as long as they're not jumping. Well, do you know how many other things that could be happening? Mm-hmm. We can't let the dog be like, okay, dog, you have 40, you have 40 choices. Pick one. It's, it's just like, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey, Britt, go to the store and you can buy me anything except a bottle of pine salt. But then you bring home something. I'm like, I really didn't want that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just best to go ahead and be like, all right, these are the expectations. This is what I want. And I'm going to go ahead and communicate that. It doesn't have to be in a harsh way. Just go ahead and start following those. And if you start doing that immediately, your dog is actually going to start feeling more comfortable in your environment faster. All right. Anything to add to that one? Nope. I'm, I'm on board. You're on board. Because, <laughs> you know, I, our expectations changed a little bit. All right. After we lost Jake and Dagan, um, we only did furniture on permission with them yeah. and Isabella. Yeah. And when we brought little man home, I said, he's little. I don't care if he's on the furniture. Mm-hmm. And so now we've made it to where Isabella can jump up too because we keep a blanket on there. Yeah. So uh, we we changed our expectations. Mm-hmm. And it took a little bit for Isabella to be like, what the hell? We never allowed to do that. <laughs> right? So it, it's, again, just changing. If you're going to change the rules, just communicate it to everybody. That's important. And yep. it's like I tell people when they meet Myers, I tell them he's allowed to jump. And um, and that way they can they can love on him because he is allowed to jump. And when I say jump, he stands. So what do you do when, say, you have guests and you, you're like, oh, hey, my dog can jump? Well, for instance, one of our best friends is not a dog person, per se. So... What do you do in those situations where it's like, well, I've already set this dog's expectations that he's allowed to jump, but this person's not comfortable with it? Excellent question. There are two ways you can do this. Um, If you have a guest who's good at it, they can ignore. But I would prefer for the owner to just have a nice interrupter cue or give the dog an incompatible behavior to do instead of jumping. So for Myers... I use that's enough mm-hmm. because that's enough means take your attention away from something. You're not in trouble. What you did is not wrong. It's an appropriate behavior. I just don't need it right now or I don't need any more of it right now. So I use that's enough for that. Now, talking about somebody like my mother, who is infamous for wearing white pants to our house. Actually, she's gotten better about that. She wore white pants to our black dog house every time. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not a dog person. 
she liked Jake. Everybody liked Jake. She loved Bandit. That was my first dog. But even Bandit wasn't allowed in the house. Uh, she was allowed to sleep in the garage. But she's not a dog person. So for her, I'm not even going to give Myers a chance to approach. So I'm going to give him something else to do, which is on the list of some important things that we should be teaching in mm-hmm. the beginning. So we'll we'll get to that. So that was a great question because... You know, we don't want to expect our guests to know what to do in those situations. So it is our job yeah. to make sure that we set the dog up for success yeah. and that we do what we have to do. And sometimes, you know, I'm all about dogs making decisions. I think it's very important that they make choices. However, I think there are times when it's our job being upper management or tour guide. It's our job to make that decision for them and help guide them in doing the right thing. So that's where, you know, I'm having to do that a lot more with little man because he just gets super excited about things and he has a very high arousal and we are working on things with that. But um, sometimes I have to give him other uh, directives Mm -hmm. because he just, there's just too many choices to make and he just can't. Yeah. So, and there are days that we have that, you know, everybody has that. Like, what do you want for dinner? Don't ask me. Just tell me what you're thinking. I'll tell you yay or nay. (laughs) Right? Because sometimes I don't know I don't want something until I hear it. And sometimes I don't know if I want something until I hear it. Sometimes I don't want that many choices. Sometimes I just want you to just make dinner and I'll come home and eat it. And if I don't want it, I'll find something else. Right? There you go. There you go. All right. The second thing that I think you need to do. (laughs) You look all serious right now. I am so serious right now. You've got to have a way to communicate to this dog that they're doing something that they that you like and that it's a behavior that's appropriate. You've got to condition a verbal marker to tell them, yes, that's a good behavior. A lot of people just use good boy and good girl as a natural way to tell the dog. But if you don't put any power behind it, then it doesn't mean anything. Okay, mm-hmm. so think about... Uh, walking, and some of you have probably have maybe have never done this, but I, but at least maybe you've watched some movies to get it. If you go to a casino and you hear a bell go off, you know that somebody just won something big. Mm-hmm. So that bell going off gets you a little excited, even though it's not your bell, because you know, and you know that there's a possibility that you could make a bell go off. Okay. But if you'd never been in a casino, never watched TV of a casino or understood that, you wouldn't have any type of attachment or conditioned response to that bell. A lot of good boys and good girls, I think, is that way to dogs. They have no idea that that actually means something. So we need to make it powerful. So you're going to condition your verbal marker. And the way you're going to do this... You're going to take about 10 small bites of food or treats. I want you to put them in a plate or a bowl. And I want you to put that plate or bowl on a table that you're sitting next to or standing next to. In other words, I do not want this plate or bowl or treats in your hand. Because I got to train your brain to not feel like you have to have a treat in your hand in order to mark a behavior. Because in reality, you're not always going to have a treat in hand. But we got to make the marker the most important thing. Right. So you're going to take those 10 treats and you're going to sit down with your dog. And if you have multiple dogs, please do this separately. 
um, do not do this together. We don't know this new dog. We don't want to create any type of resource guarding issues. Plus you will be, um, your timing will be off and, and you'll be mm-hmm. just confusing everybody. Myers will not stop ringing this bell right now. And I'm not sure if he actually has to potty or not. He may just be mad because you're not paying attention. I am to him. not paying any attention. <laughs> to him. He has already licked my face off. So he's just going to have to wait. So you're going to basically sit down with your dog. You're going to say good boy or good girl. And I'm going to use just good puppy as my general. You're going to say good puppy. Then you're going to reach over. You're going to pick up that treat and you're going to give it to the dog. You're going to repeat that. You're not going to ask for any behavior. You're not going to expect any behavior. You're not going to do anything other than give your verbal marker, reach over and grab your reward and give them the bite. And you're going to do that for all 10 pieces. And depending on how quickly your dog eats, you can get this done in less than a minute. I mean, you know, 45 seconds to a minute, maybe. Uh, And it just enough to taste is all you need, not huge pieces, just enough to taste. Okay. You can do this several times in one day, or you could do it once a day for a few days. You could just do this once and be fine. But we want to make sure we're making that verbal marker very powerful. Yeah. Now, we're not going to be giving a treat every single time we give the verbal marker outside of conditioning the marker. As you guys have probably heard before, but I'm going to tell you again. We have three steps or three levels to our verbal marker. We have the verbal by itself, which is like what? Yeah, I'm asking you. The verbal by itself. Yeah, what do I say that that's like? We want to see how good she is today. Let's see how much of a dog speak geek she is, y'all. I can just let your dog out. Sorry. <laughs> he did have to go to the bathroom, by the way. Gosh. Um, the, the is like... It's funny because you, you'll sit in here with me on Zooms, <laughs> and now I know you just don't listen. <laughs> I do listen. You just don't listen. You just put me on the spot, though. Yeah, and I'm you like, should know this. Uh, oh, God bless her. All right, look. <laughs> having Once you condition it, the verbal by itself is like winning a free spin on a slot machine. Or a free scratch-off ticket Yeah, I've from ne- a scratch-off ticket. I've never heard that analogy from you before. Oh, that's, so, that's a lie. No, I've been, I've been no, using no. that one for years. No, I don't, I've never heard you say that. Oh, you just don't, you don't no. listen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you a free spin is fun, right? But why do we play slots and scratch-off tickets or, or, you know, the lottery, whatever? We do it because we want to win things, not just to keep playing. So, but free spins keep us playing, which gives us more opportunity and knowing that we have a high chance of, of getting something. What is a? I'm sorry. I've well, only been to a casino one time. You're right. But you won on your first spin. I won $250 on my first spin. I thought it was only $50. Oh, it was $50 on my first spin. My first scratch off. Yeah. I got $250. So. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know why I haven't taken you back. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently I need I'm, that facility, baby. Apparently I'm good at this. But <laughs> so I've, I've only been to a casino one time. I don't know what free spin means like do you get something a free spin meaning you just don't have to put money into the machine yeah you get a free spin but you still lost Uh, not really you got a free spin if you get a free spin that means that next spin could pay out gotcha so it's going to keep you playing if you lose three or four times in a row you might not keep playing right but the free spin is just enough of a reward so it's put in there just 
basically to keep people sitting there. Absolutely. Okay. Variable reinforcement makes behavior stronger, which is why people get addicted to gambling. Mm. Yep. Okay. All right. So, so good boy by itself or good puppy by itself is like winning a free spin. It's going to kind of keep them kind of hanging in there. All right. Then you have good boy with a pet. Now, the pet can be maybe five. You won five quarters back up to maybe 10 quarters back. But if y'all have listened to the episode of Is It Really Rewarding? That the amount of a reward a dog is going to see for petting is going to be based on their personal um, desire for touch. Not all dogs love to be petted all over. Mm -hmm. Isabella wasn't huge with petting until she got older. And she's still not like... No, she's not overboard with it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And some dogs don't like petting because maybe they have a skin allergy that you're not aware of. Maybe it hurts. Maybe they have some sore muscles, maybe something. So petting may not always be a huge reward. Um, Also, you have to depend on where are you? What is the dog wanting? If you go to pet a dog to reward them for not chasing after the rabbit, it ain't going to work. Because chasing the rabbit is much higher reward. You're not even close with the petting. Now, are you going to find a reward that's as high as the rabbit? Maybe. Not. (laughs) But (laughs) but you at least come close. I was just thinking about that, um, the flank steak you made the other night. Oh, yeah. Which was delicious, by Thank the way. You. Thank um, you. But, you know, like, we've got to use that up. Yeah. I forgot we have a dehydrator. Ooh. Because I'm thinking about, like, it's it's about to be hiking season, right? Absolutely. And uh, I'm like, speaking of. Dehydrated steak. Speaking of dogs trying to go chase things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where my brain just went, because I apparently. Imagine this, though. My train no, never that's stays good. on one track. That's good, because people, this is what they need to hear. Imagine this. Imagine that you reward your dog with something like dehydrated steak for not chasing the squirrel. The next time you reward them for not chasing the squirrel, and then after they eat that, you allow them to chase the squirrel. Now you have, now you've made that reward of the steak more rewarding because it might be followed up with the opportunity to go chase. Mm. Okay. Sometimes you can just do the chase as the reward. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Which would be our level three. <laughs> well, we talked about that, about finding an, an off-leash yeah. area yeah. that's fenced in but wooded for you to take Isabella and work on that because your fear is her being off-leash. Y'all would never see her on video with Isabella like I did with Little Man, off-leash in the woods. Um, she's She would never do that. But uh, But finding somewhere that's fenced in would allow you to practice that and give her that reward so that when you're out somewhere, she can't be off leash, her not getting to chase it in that big of a deal Mm -hmm. because she gets to do it elsewhere. Makes sense. Right. So our level three of verbal marker, good puppy, would be followed with a resource, which is like winning 20 quarters, maybe up to that Harley Davidson sitting on top of the machines. If you've been in, you know, casinos, if you do scratch off tickets or lottery, it's like winning the Powerball, right? It's playing the game. We play those games just to find out what we can win. That's the fun of it, right? And it started, 
it's it's been around for decades. I remember putting in 25 cents into a gumball machine, and I called it a gumball machine, but it didn't have gumballs. It had plastic eggs, and you never knew what was inside the okay, egg. Okay, that was my favorite thing in the world. Right? Variable reinforcement. But what you received wasn't always... Fantastic. Right, but it was just enough to keep you going to the next one. Yeah. Imagine, though, if you got like four eggs in a row that were all blank. There's nothing in them. You would stop playing. There, do they purposely put empty no, eggs in there? Or was don't. that just an accident? That was an accident. It's an accident. I'm just saying, oh, okay. imagine. Because I, I got a couple of them that Did were empty. You? I wonder, now I'd imagine that would just be an accident. That has to just be like a, it's like getting a fortune cookie without a fortune in it, right? Yeah, which is very unfortunate. Just, whatever. <laughs> just, we're done here today, folks. No, wait. Bye. No, come on. That was good. Look, don't make me pull out dad jokes. Anyway, sorry. That was also off. But what, what I'm saying is, <laughs> off the is that, there. that the, the the reward inside the egg doesn't have to be amazing, but it's enough to keep you going for that amazing. So we have to be very creative with our reward system with our dog, but it's also going to be dependent on the dog. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to that reward episode, go listen to that. We have to know it's rewarding to that dog because that flank steak believe it or not, is not going to be rewarding to every dog because some dogs have beef sensitivities and beef intolerances. So they don't have a positive association with it. All right. So you've got to condition your verbal marker and then you've got to use that verbal marker. And I'm talking three to 400 times a day. You should be saying good puppy. You don't give Isabella nearly enough good pups. Yes, I do. I don't feel like you do. You, you are not here. I you give a know. lot to little man <laughs> and probably 300 times a day. I'm giving good boys with that 300 times, 80% of that will be that free spin. Mm-hmm. But the 20% left over will be some type of reward, whether it's petting or whether it is a resource, toy, treat, food, chasing the cat, chasing the ball. Whatever the case may be, it's a resource. It's getting something. So um, my guy checks in. He's really good when I do good boy. He's like, ooh, how good. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want your dog having a whiplash effect. And if you can establish that the very first day your dog comes home, then you have an opportunity to teach your dog the rules of the house by simply putting that in place. They're in the kitchen. They're sniffing the trash can but not sticking their head in. Good boy. That's a good boy. In the kitchen, sniffing around the countertops, not jumping up. Good boy. Good job. People are like, oh my God, you reward the dog for sniffing the countertops? Absolutely. You know why? Because I prefer that over jumping up. And then once I get the jumping up eliminated, then I can work on the sniffing part if I want to. All right? So it's those little things like that. You give your dog an opportunity to try things in the household. It's a new environment for them. Lots of praise and lots of acknowledgement. Super, super, super important. And the bonus, and this is what I really, really learned with Myers, more so than I've learned anything else. Because I have used my good boy so much and I have rewarded so kind of variably that he stays tuned in and focused on me 
more than any dog I've had. Mm-hmm. Now, Tebow was, we were soulmates. So there was no issue there. Right. But what I mean by this is that my dogs didn't just focus when we were in a training session. And I put that in quotes. Right. So many people are like, my dog only focuses when we're in training. Or you have a treat in your hand. Or you have a treat in your and hand. you're waving it around. Exactly. Or you yell the word treat. Yes. Or you start asking for behavior. Some dogs don't even think that they can earn rewards unless you're telling them, unless you're commanding them to do something. Right. So they're not going to listen to you or try to earn a reward because you've established that it only works when I start telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. That's what we got to get away from. We got to start teaching these dogs that you can earn a reward at any time. Sometimes it's a verbal, sometimes it's a verbal with pets, sometimes it's a verbal with a resource, but you can earn it. It doesn't matter if I have a treat bag on me. It doesn't matter if I have a treat on me. It doesn't matter if we're in a training session. It does not matter. So what that does is it teaches a dog to stay tuned into you. It doesn't mean they're not going to do other things, but they're always going to have just a little bit of tuning in. And that's why he was so good in the woods with me right? at 13 months old. Mm-hmm. Because I've established that I don't have, you don't only earn rewards when I ask you to do something. I barely ask him to do things. I really, I just don't. It's true. I really don't because I don't need to because I've established the, the expectations. And if I do need to direct him, great, I will. But, and I have no problem doing that. And there are times I need to, but overall he's, he stays tuned in with me. And that means our relationship is where I need it to be in order to help him learn these life manners. All that makes sense to you? Yeah. Of course it makes sense. And I can't believe, I know you've heard me do that analogy before. I mean, I've heard the slot machine analogies. I, I've i never heard, like, the free spin. Sorry. Really? I must have blocked that out. I mean, I'm not really sure if I don't think. Yeah, I have played to where you get free spins. Like, it's like a Wheel of Fortune game that you can win free spins. But Oh, they have that at the arcade, like at Dave and yeah, Buster's. Yeah, but that's like you're just winning tickets. I want a real will. I want to earn real money, not tickets that I have to have, like, that I end up paying $87 for a stuffed animal. That reminds me, we've got like four Dave and Buster's cards. This is ridiculous. I need to log in and like see <laughs> how many we have. Do they expire? I don't think. I do. don't know. That's a good question. Look, I need to consolidate. It's them a all Sunday. Into one. <laughs> Look, y'all. It's a Sunday, and I started out today with brunch with three margaritas, and I was very talkative. It. I. This was probably the most talkative I've been at a family gathering. Mm-hmm. We met with the parentals and the niece before she goes back to school. I was just talkative as can be. It was a good brunch. It was a good brunch. Anyway, we digress. All right. So we have two things so far. Okay. You ready for the third? I was like, don't ask me. But I was. I am ready for what it. What would you think the third could be? I mean, I told you already a couple. Surely you saw that. I did not. All right. Well, I'm not necessarily going to put this. Well, yeah. Number three could be definitely in the top of what I would do in order. So I'm setting expectations, which really should happen before you bring the dog home. So, you know, really setting expectations about talking with the family and yeah, then think, communicating that to the yeah, dog. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of setting expectations has to do with the, 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 un, like the family unit. Yes. Um, human family unit. Yes. And I probably could have put this one in right next to this before conditioning the verbal marker. Mm-hmm. Your new dog needs his own safe place. Somewhere that's a human free zone that is the other dog or animal in the house is free zone where they can go and decompress. 
And this might be a separate, a separate room. It might be a spot in a room. Um, cause we're going to be talking about a couple of things for that, but your dog, the, the dog needs to have a place of their own, right? It's like, we all have our own bedrooms. Uh, Britt and I even have our own bedrooms, uh, even though I stay in the guest room, but it's, I've turned the guest room into my room. So then when guests come over, they're staying in my room mm-hmm. uh, because it has my flair to it. I have set that room up to be a safe place for me where I can go and just decompress. Decompre- yeah. And I relax there and you, our bedroom, well, it's, I still kind of consider well, our bedroom. It is our bedroom, but it, it's so comfortable and relaxing for you. Yeah. It's very girly. It's so, it's really nice. It really is. And it's Lots very relaxing. Jewel tones and <laughs> gold. And yeah, it's, it really is pretty. It's a little bougie, but it's really pretty, but it's relaxing, <laughs> right? It's dark. It's like a cave. Oh, yeah. See, you sleep with window blinds closed like a cave. I keep my curtains open. I, I won't, I wake up in the middle of the night and I see the full moon. Oh, it's just beautiful. Oh, for yeah. Me. No, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to know what time it is. Yeah, see, I can't. Mm-mm. Like, I woke up this morning and I was, uh, oh, no, it was, this was yesterday. I woke up and I was like, oh, it's probably 6 a.m. It was like 10, wasn't it? Was like 10. <laughs> you, we both slept in. I never sleep that late, but, you know. I mean, we had nothing to long, get up for. We had no football long, to get yeah. up for. So. It was a long work week. So. so, and that's the thing is that we all need a safe place. And look, if your safe place is the bathroom, you need to make some changes in your house. Okay. I'm just saying. Dad. Dad. Actually, mom too, right? But. The pantry. The pantry is the safe place. But you need to find your dog a safe place. uh, Somewhere where they can just, you know, chill out and be left alone. And it's okay to even add in a little diffuser in there with a little lavender. Uh, Make sure it's not real strong. Just dilute it. It's fine. Please do not. Dog safe. Yeah, dog safe. Uh, you know, they have some water in there. Maybe they have a few toys in there. They have a soft bed. Maybe they have a little music playing, right? Um, my clients of the night were really cute. They said the one thing that um, relaxes their dogs is NPR, <laughs> which is Nashville, Nashville Public Radio, because they just talk so soft. I can't. And I can't. We are... With NPR. And it is People relaxing. to public radio. Now, as I am a supporter of public radio. Oh, absolutely. Radio, a, like, monetary. But yes. as far as, like, the talking part of it. You don't like it? So, like, Roots Radio in Murfreesboro. WMOT. <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> Love them so much. Americana. Um, They're fantastic. But when it gets to, like, the, the AP news section, like, that all... Uh, public radio most public radio stations play i have to flip it like i have to change it because if i'm driving you get sleepy it's like listening to golf for me like <laughs> i'm afraid i'll fall asleep driving he is 84 yards from the hole you know what i love though with his pitching wedge is Vern <laughs> Vern lundquist still does the masters oh Vern. see so Vern has and that's the thing about voices is that, that is the and it's, he has the most it's automatic, just relaxing. relaxing thing to me. Like I cried when he like his last football game, his his last Saturday college football game. Sorry, all you non sports fans out here. Um, but that was the most like 
relaxing, reassuring voice to me, like in the whole world. Well, like if the world was ending, but Vern Lundquist said, everything's okay. I'd be like, you'd okay. be like, I'm, I feel okay. And, and I guarantee okay. everybody sits back for a second. Think about it. And I'm going to tell you where it's going to be. It's going to hit home for most people. If you have a good weatherman. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we have so Lisa many- Patton, I miss you. And I know you probably don't listen to my podcast, but Lisa Patton, I miss Lisa. And Ron Howes. Ron Howes. I, when you would hear Lisa's voice, you could have a tornado oh, coming God. through your backyard. She was. And you hear Lisa's voice and you just knew everything was going to be okay, even though she was telling you to get to your safe space right now. Oh, well, yeah. And my, but, I had this, the thing set up, the automatic phone call you got. Oh, and you got Ron Howes. And I got you? Ron. And even though it was like urgent, I was still like, okay, everything's It's Ron. Be he's okay. okay. He's, he's, <laughs> because he sounds calm, right? Look, and we could, we could learn a lot from that. We have someone who is calm in the face of something scary. It calms us. So this is, let's take a lesson from, from our amazing weathermen and weather women. Uh, meteorologist. I'm sorry. I I said weatherman. Meteorologist. Sorry, guys. That is a difficult word. So it's. I didn't. You know. I want to be PC here. Um. If we can be to our dogs what some meteorologists are to us, then we're going to be in good shape with our dog, right? So when our dog is scared of something, instead of meeting their needs and getting upset because they're upset. We need to be their weatherman. Mm-hmm. Just go to your safe place. It's it's coming at you, little town. You so you have two minutes. It's going to be there. Get in your safe place. Take your phone with you. Listen to us on the app. I mean, think about it. And And here's the thing is, if I heard Lisa Patton's voice today, it would automatically soothe me. Mm-hmm. Because the so even though the associations were times that were scary for me. I I do not like tornadoes. I have a big fear. Mm-hmm. But she brought me comfort. If we can do that with our dogs in a safe place, whether it's listen to NPR, put on classical music. I put on an audiobook for Myers because when he was a puppy. That was soothing to him. That was soothing to him because that's what we would listen to when we went to bed at night. Something just popped in my head. Okay. I'm talking about meteorologists that are good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. So with Lisa taking her as an example, part of it was not just her demeanor, but the fact that she set expectations. Yes. She was confident. This is what's happening. Matter of fact. At 1029. Yep. This is where it is. This is when you need to go here and do this. This is what you need to do now. Here's what we're expecting. And this is what it looks like. So you didn't feel like you were in the dark. So if I'm here and tornado sirens suddenly go off but i haven't gotten an alert on my phone like i'm panicked i'm like what the hell did i miss yeah what's going on usually you know when they're testing them for instance mm-hmm. right and they go off periodically uh you you sort of panic for a second you're like oh my god because that's like, a negative association you're like i don't know what to expect like what's going on did mm-hmm. something happen so quickly that so that so that's another thing about meteorologists they are also setting expectations in those really scary situations. And it brings you comfort. As they're telling you to go to your safe space. So maybe instead of saying, I need you to be your dog's upper management or tour guide, <laughs> I need you to be your dog's meteorologist. <laughs> but not all meteorologists are that good. I've heard some that have scared me more because of their the way they present things. 
Like it's not a, it's, they, they don't bring it out in a confident manner. They bring it out with their nervousness. Well, because it's urgent. It's urgent. I, I mean, here in, in, if you're in the Southeast, especially. Or, it's terrible for or, tornadoes here. Or in what we call Tornado Alley, which also goes, you know, out West of here as well. It's it's very it can be very scary it's scary here because you can't see them we're somewhere like oklahoma you can see them eight miles 10 miles 15 it's a little miles. flatter yeah it's flat here kansas is kind of the you same don't know until it's on you right it, it is this is the to me this the south is the worst place to have tornadoes there's no warning uh, i mean if there is a warning it's very and they're not predictable you could have a tornado going in one direction and then all of a sudden it may change well and that's anywhere where there's yeah, a but I mean, but, but you can see it if you've got this wide open space. Here we have so many hills and mountains, and right, it can and, be scary. And sometimes, you know, they're they're just trying to convey the urgency of the matter, but it comes across as yeah, they're they are scared when in reality they're just saying, "Get the hell like to a place with no windows," right. like get so. But it doesn't come across that way, and then you get nervous. Yes. Like, I've seen you, like... Oh, I'm not good with them. I am good in a lot of situations. Yeah. I fake it with the tornadoes. You don't even Obviously, I'm not even doing that you're good not even, at that. You're not even good at that. And I've never been in one. It scares the shit out of me. It should. They're scary. It's when you get complacent that things get... I, when I have stress dreams, it's about tornadoes. I don't show up to school naked. Because that's not stressful to me. <laughs> We're not going to delve into that today. <laughs> a little much. I don't stress out showing up without my homework done. Hell, that was my entire high school career. That was whatever. Jeez, I still dream about my like first day of freshman year. Like, come on now. Nope, mm-mm. nope. I dream of tornadoes. Um, and it's funny because I follow things. I follow like uh, some uh, people on TikTok who they do show a lot of tornadoes and stuff. And mm-hmm. I watch them just to try to desensitize myself. Because you make fun of me every time we're like on vacation. For some reason, when we're on vacation. The Weather Channel is where I love to watch shows you that be- are like I You ID. become like someone's grandpa oh, on vacation. Geez. You're like, I'm going to watch, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch the weather but channel. But I don't just watch the weather channel to see what the weather is. I watch those specialties, right? I like when tornadoes go wrong. We have gone way <laughs> off the tracks here. No, but it, no, actually, I'm glad we did this because we need this for our dog. We need to be able to find a way to soothe them. And whether that's from you or whether it's from a certain type of music. Or a certain, you know, audio book or, or whatever the case may be. We can easily allow something that's outside of us to bring some comfort and peace to our dogs. And I think that when you bring a new dog in, it's important you do that so that they learn to feel relaxed in this environment. Because even though they may not be showing it, they could be feeling very nervous, very upset, very unsure, lack of confidence, not knowing what just happened with their life, especially, you know, not knowing what their background is. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they were like an owner turn in, right? If you have a, an owner that relinqu- relinquishes a dog that they've had three or four years for whatever reason, now this dog has been in the shelter for two or three weeks or in rescue for two or three weeks. And now it's being brought into a home. We need to provide safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, you know, let the dog choose when they want to come cuddle with us or lay with us or reach for that. Um, we don't need to pressure them. Yeah. Um, so when I get into like a safe place, one of the things I'm thinking about um, is a, a some consistency or, or not, cons- not consistent. That's not the word I'm looking for. Something that is familiar to the dog that we can use in different environments to make the dog feel comfortable. And one of the things I like to teach is place. Mm. Uh, For me, place is go to whatever uh, soft, comfortable thing is on the floor. And I can take this on the road uh, with a little mat. And what place is, is basically your dog lays on some type of bed, mat, towel, whatever. Um, and that's where they know that they're going to be for a little while. And I like to add in something special with it, right? You place, you get a bully stick. You place, you get a stuff topple. And so the way we can use place is you're sitting in the living room, you're watching TV. Let's say you, you don't allow your dogs on the furniture. If you do, then, you know, place is great still for other things, but Let's just say this dog's not allowed on furniture. Having them a specific place to go on a bed by just setting that expectation, something that's very clear, that can help reduce their stress of being in a new environment. So when I take Myers to places, uh, locations, Mm -hmm. I bring along his little mat and he knows that's place. So what I've done is giving giving him something very, very familiar in an unfamiliar place, mm-hmm. which helps lower stress um, and helps him to understand that there's certain behavior I would like to, to see. It's like a blankie. It's like a blankie. Very good. Yeah. So place is very important. Um, and it, it's just handy. So like if I, so that's what I was going to say. If I had someone coming over and I didn't, I had my mother coming over and I don't want uh, Myers to jump on her at all, I'm going to put him on his place and I'm going to add in a stay. Mm-hmm. So, and some people do automatic stays with place, which you absolutely can do. I don't teach it that way just because I know that most humans can't be consistent with that. But if you know yourself and you know you can, great. But place is a really good one because you can take it on the road. Yeah. You can take it to a friend's house. You can take it to a cafe, to a brewery, to a park. Um, When I take him to class with me, I would take his little mat and I would put him on a place. So he knew, and matter of fact, sometimes he would jump on it before I even would put it on the ground. Because for him, he's like, okay, this is a different environment, but I know what this means. So So confidence I get a reward. And I get a reward for doing it. When he wants something a lot of times, he'll go and get on his place and look at me. It's really cute. So place is a good one. Now, I'm not going to talk about how to teach it. You know why? (gasps) Why? Because Gray put together an amazing video. Like, it's a fantastic If I video. ever fire him, he could just do this for a living. Um, he, he really did a really good video on this. It's a great video. I mean, he spent yeah. a lot of time putting this. It's like a mini movie is what I feel like. It's really well done. But um, on our website, dogspeak101.com, go to our videos, and you can watch how to teach place. Mm-hmm. It's a very important one. Now, I'm going to talk about one more that may be one of the most important commands and I say command instead of cue because a cue can be as simple as a treat bag Mm -hmm. so I know people don't like the words command I don't know what else to put with that I'll be thinking about it maybe we'll change that word this year but 
a cue to me is anything that um, is associated with a certain response. So like a treat bag could be associated with, oh, they want me to sit. Like a leash is a cue. A leash is a cue. Exactly. So I'm going to use the word command. The most important... Direction. We, oh, we've we already talked about directive. this. Did we? We, we? we did this like earlier in 2022. We you came up... Earlier in 2022? That was almost a year ago. Yeah. Directional. Directional. Word. We use... Word? It's got to... We got to have something. We had that. something else, but Dur- it was... <laughs> Listen, if anybody's listening to that episode and you and you remember what that is, could you remind us what the hell we said? <laughs> I, will, I will send you a dog speak koozie if you can go back and figure out what that right? was. And you know what? No one has. It was good, though. No one. It was because yeah. we were we were going. Oh, man. Oh, we should have written that down on the board. You guys brunch. We had brunch today. Do- Did we mention that? Well, I mean, we can't say we had brunch. Today. It's 530 in the in the evening now. And we're both online. Once you've committed, once you commit it, you got to just stick with it today. It's um, dehydration w- Sunday. Anyway, we had it, it. It was something to do with direction. I like the directional. A directional. It wasn't a request. We may have said Q. <laughs> we may have said Q, which isn't. Yeah, quite see, what we're for going, me, but. the more I've talked about Q, and I have, I have interchanged that with command. But now I'm like, you know what? Mm-mm, because we have environmental cues. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, let's say a directional request. Just a directive. A directive. <laughs> That's just boring. Anyway, to me, one of the most important ones that I think that we have been teaching and that I think that every dog needs to learn, especially new dogs, is a touch command. Or maybe I should say anything that would be considered an emergency recall. Meaning you can get your dog to come back to you immediately and some people are probably sitting here listening going well why don't i just teach them to come when called because teaching a dog to come and called is not going to happen immediately without the use of an aversive which we don't want to do just like if somebody asks you to come into the living room you're not jumping up and going 90 miles an hour because you're like well what the hell they want now We don't reward coming to us as often as we should or as well as we should. And oftentimes we use the come command um, as I'm I'm ending the fun or going home. Um, I want you to get away from whatever that is fun to you and come to me. Mm -hmm. Or they use come as a different command like follow me. So the dog gets really confused on what come means. it's inconsistent. And we've had an episode on that too. Yeah. So I teach an emergency recall, and we use that for dogs that don't know how to come because it's not been rewarded enough. And we also teach it for dogs that have fear issues and anxiety issues that may exhibit some aggressive behavior in those moments uh, to try to get through that veil of fear that clouds or kind of covers the brain, Mm -hmm. right? I always say that when fear hits, a door shuts. If you have something like a touch command that you're rewarding 100% of the time, it has a greater chance to slip through the cracks for the dog to hear and respond to. Whereas something like calm, if you've only rewarded it 50% of the time, even 70% of the time, it's not going to get through the crack of that fear, that veil that's covering that. So the touch is, to me, so important. And our last group class of the year 
we had three people use it with their puppies mm-hmm. when they got out of their collar or got out of the yard or got out of the door running towards roads. And all three of them had 100% success with their dog turning on a dime and coming back for the touch. And that is what we want to see. Yeah. So here's how I do the touch. I know there are some big stores that do group classes that teach touch, but they're not teaching it this way. For me, number one rule is it's rewarded 100% of the time. Hands down. You do not miss a beat. It does not mean you're going to have a treat on you every single time that you need it, which is why we have such a good verbal marker. The behavior we're looking for is nose, the dog's nose touches your fist. I don't do an open hand. I just do a fist. The reason I don't do an open hand, one, because it's one more step I I really don't need to do, but also many times people use an open hand for a high five or a shake. I don't want to confuse the dog because they read body language. So an open hand and closed hand looks very different to a dog. Mm -hmm. So I used a closed hand. And the way we're going to teach this, you're going to take a treat. You're going to put it in your fist. And I like to tell people to put their fist up next. You just put it on their heart. Just hold it there at your heart. Why are you frowning at me right now? I wasn't a frown. <laughs> well, what, what the hell was that? I wish y'all could see the look on her damn face right now. When I'm trying to teach a damn command. Put it on your heart. Put it on your heart. Well, if I said put it on your chest, I don't know what people it was a may look do. Of I'm confusion. just trying to get specifics. It was a look of confusion. It was a look. <laughs> so it's really important that we always say the command first. Because that's what the dog is going to hear. And the command of touch should get your dog to turn around at the end here. Turn around and try to find your fist to touch. It's very important we do the word first. So you're going to sit down with your dog. You got your treat in your hand. Make a fist. Put it on your heart. Then you're going to say touch. And only if, if your dog, make sure your dog's looking at you when you do this, right? You say touch. Then you're going to present your hand out to the side, not right in front of your dog's nose. It needs to be at least a foot to two feet away. I'd say maybe a foot. Um, maybe I'm bad with, unless it's in yardage for football. I'm not very good at the, was it three foot to a yard? Mm-hmm. So one to one and a half feet from your dog. Just hold it there and your dog should naturally go to it because one, they know that treats come from hand. Two, you got the smell of it. The dog should go to it. As soon as you feel that nose touch your hand, mark it with your verbal marker and then open your hand and give the treat that's there. Now, it's so important you do it in the step, that this, the the appropriate steps, okay? Okay. You'll do it again, treat in hand, make a fist, put it on your heart, say touch, put your hand out. And you may be touch one, then put your hand out. If you have to count, it's so important you give that touch, then you put the hand out. Do not put that hand out first. Touch, then the hand. Dog touches with his nose. Good boy, then give him that treat. After you do treat in hand three or four times, 
I want you to do it without treat in hand, which means this time you will say touch, present your hand, the dog touches, you mark it, good boy, then you reach for the treat and give it to them. Okay, make sense? Yep. There's going to be a time that your dog is not going to touch your hand because he's trying to figure out what's really getting you to give him the verbal marker. So there's going to be a point that you're going to have, uh, you're going to say touch, you're going to present your hand, your dog is going to look at your hand, look at you, look at your hand, look at you, and then just keep looking at you. After about five seconds of that, remove your hand, take a breath, and then repeat. Do not repeat the word touch with your hand extended because we want to make sure that the dog understands this command is only ever going to be given one time and you need to respond immediately. Why? Because it's an emergency recall. So when the hand goes out and they don't touch it, just wait and then remove the hand if they don't, take a breath and then repeat. Do not put a treat in hand to repeat. Because the dog not touching and not getting the verbal marker helps him to learn that his touching with his nose is really getting the marker. So it's part of the teaching process. It's part of the learning process. Don't change how you're doing it just because the dog did not give you the desired result. Most people want to change how they do it because they didn't get a desired result. When in the fact, not getting the desired result is part of the dog learning. I only practice this about 30 seconds to a minute. At a time. I'm not going overboard with this. How's Isabella's touch? Because we had started with her with touch. But have you kept it up? Let's oh. let's see. Where is she? Right here. You got a treat on you? No. Good. Because here's the thing. When you <laughs> use it in real life, you're not going to. So that means. I'm going to say that it's probably not good. I'm not going to lie. But, but that means that once you get it, though, you mark it with your verbal. And then you can go to the kitchen or the living room to get a treat. Because in reality, you're not always going to have one, which means when you're practicing this, the, the probably I'd say the first three or four days that you practice this, each time you'll start the exercise with a treat in hand, but don't, don't go more than like three or four times. After a few days of that, you should be able to start the exercise without any treat in hand. Then I want you to periodically start using it, which is, I think, what you've kind of dropped the ball on with Isabella. I think we started teaching her big time with like uh, during COVID. There actually may still be a video on the website. Uh, I think we do it, have a touch. Is video. there a touch command, yeah. a touch video on there? Um, I will reconfirm. If not, hey, Gray. Yeah, we need to get a touch. You're one. making it's a such video. An easy, it's it's such an easy behavior though. It's just the timing of it's important. Well, and I think because this is the first time I'm hearing you talk about putting the hand to the chest. That's less about cueing the dog. That's more about you mentally yep. stopping and keeping, making sure that you're not giving the command with your hand out. Correct. So it's it's just a mental note for yourself. Yes. Like, this step is in here. I got to put my fist to my chest and then give the command. Yeah. Eventually, once you get comfortable, you won't have to do that. But I want to give people, and that's one of those situations I talk about where there are many options that owners could do. 
But I find that when I give them the option to do whatever they want before they say touch, their hand comes out before they say touch. But if I tell them to put their hand on their chest mm-hmm. or their heart and say touch one, then do it, their their timing is better. So that's about yeah the human with yeah. that. After you've gotten, you've understood, you know, kind of the dog is getting this, you want to periodically start asking for it in different locations and different places. Do not go get a treat to put in your pocket before you do this, because then you're cueing the dog that something's about to happen. In reality, when you need it, you're not going to have a treat on you. But let's say I get, I I need my dog to do it. I don't have a treat. I'm going to ask my dog to do it. And then I will good boy after he does it until I find something to give him. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, if I'm out in public, I was not prepared if I went in public with my dog without treats. And it's not because he needs them. It's because there are other rewards out there that that I need to compete with. Yeah. Because, hey, they're dogs. So um, when you need it in reality, say people have used it where the dogs run out the front door, they go out, they yell touch, the dog turns around, comes barreling back. They're like, oh my God, I always get a treat for this. And they know exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. There's no modification of this. They get it. We're able to praise, reward, gently get the dog by the collar, take them in the house. We're good boying the whole way. And then we give a treat. Mm-hmm. And that's how we want to use touch. And I think that every single dog that comes into the household needs to learn that as that emergency recall for whatever we may deal with in the future. So I know there are probably some other things that you guys are probably going, well, shouldn't I teach this? Shouldn't I teach that? Look, if you're thinking, well, I need to teach the dog to sit. I need to teach him to lay down. No, you don't. You do not need to teach the dog to sit. You do not need to teach the dog to lay down. They already know how to do that. Um, And really, what's your purpose of eliciting that response anyway? Sometimes it is important. I think I would use down more than I use sit. We're sitting on the couch. I want the dog to go lay down. Yeah. Right? I don't care if you sit. I don't care if you sit before I let you out the door. I don't care if you sit before I give you your food. I just don't care because it's just not that important. We have to get away from the sit stuff, especially with the amount of arthritis and hip dysplasia we have going on Mm -hmm. and back problems with dogs. Stop asking your dog to sit all the time. I would just like to take that command away. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the last thing I'm going to say that you need to make sure you're doing with your dog, uh, which we're, you know, across the board, you've heard us talk about this, is making sure that your dog gets the enrichment that they need based on their genetic needs. And if you don't know what those genetic needs are, you can just go ahead and default to using um, the nose. And so finding any type of uh, nose work, scent work that they can do, snuffle mat, looking for treats in a in a toy or a box or whatever the case may be. Enrichment is super important. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I feel like everyone should be doing when you bring a dog into the home. More important than teaching obedience, right? Teach those things you need, but, it's, but you don't... Listen, look, guys, I'm going to say this. You do not create a healthy relationship by trying to make your dog obedient, I'm just going to take for a minute. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to let it just soak in for a minute. We do not create a relationship with our dog by making them obedient. So stop obedience training. <laughs> Real life manners. 
What do we need to help? What do we need to teach them in order to help them deal with this world? What do we need to teach them to help them live the life with you? Right? Like I have not taught Myers a quarter of what my Rottweilers knew. And he's still a really good boy. Mm-hmm. And the fact I can take him places off leash, I love it. Because that for me is priority. If I can't take my dog off leash somewhere, knowing I have that control, and not that I have to have that control in a in a way that's aversive. I do not use aversives. But knowing though that I can take him places it's because we've established a relationship and a, a level of communication that he understands. He gives me what I need. I give him what he needs. And it's mutual. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I encourage people to do is get away from this obedience training stuff. I wish the word obedience would just go away. Is my dog obedient? Hmm. I wouldn't say that. Do my dog and I work well together? We do. We function well together. Do I find you obedient? Not my listeners. I'm looking at Britt. Would I consider you obedient? No, you're not obedient. Why are you not obedient? Because I wouldn't be married to you. (laughs) Sorry. We're not like Old Testament relationship here. Okay. Exactly right. We wouldn't be married because your obedience to me would not be based on a real relationship. You are your own individual. I am my own individual. And we have come together to to live out this lifetime together. So therefore, we have to figure out how communication works, what is important to each other, what, what enrichment you need, what enrichment I need. It may be different. We need to start thinking about that with our dogs. Yeah, so much of... The word obedience and the connotation of obedience is rooted in fear mm-hmm. and control. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't like that. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we talk about obedient children, obedient dogs, obedient wives, obedient employees. employees. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's cringy to me. It, the whole thing's cringy. It is a little cringy. I, I and I think it. it's time that we really start to change our verbiage with that um, and, and start looking different. And we've, we, for years, have now talked about real, we do real-life manners. That's what we teach. We do re- real-life manners. Um, and for right now, real-life manners for Myers, he's really good with, like, let's go this way, come, um. He loves his, he loves place. Uh, he's just, he's a good boy. And he does it, he does what I need right now, right? So it's a relationship that we're building and working towards. And, and that's what I want you guys to focus on is building that relationship, whether it's a new dog coming to the house. And, and maybe this is, you're listening to this and you don't have a new dog and you have an established dog. Well, guess what? You can start fresh. You can start fresh and, and incorporate all these things. Right? You can you can fix the relationship between you and your dog if you think there's an issue. Help your dog with those things that they need help with. It's it's just super important. So um that's all I got. Britt, you got any final words there? Don't we do we have some listener questions? Oh, you're right. We do have listener questions, and I said we had listener questions. Um, so I'm gonna pull up those listener questions because um 
they were just some really good questions. We got them through email and I didn't want to, I just thought, well, I could email these people back, but man, there were some really good questions you, on there. And have I, you emailed them to I, let them know that we're going to answer? I don't question? think I did. So if you send in a question, I apologize. Um, That's rude. I'm sorry. Um, all right, here we go. I got the listener questions. I was going to print them out so you could read them, but I guess I would just have to read them because, well, you're useless today. You're just over there. Like, I don't know what you're doing in your, what is that, a Dale McCrory shirt? I am. Dale. Dale, yeah. I am weird. Dale, yeah. I'm glad that you know who that is. Dale McCrory. Right. Close enough. I was close. Look, tell them what it is so somebody else. I just said it. McCrory? Dale Dale McCurry. I said it right. Dale McCrory. Oh my God! Because it's spelled the same as McCory Lane. McCory Lane in Delaware. Oh my God, that's why. Del McCory. Okay. That's okay. Not how most people pronounce it. All right. Okay. Look this this question. Um. Okay. This is going to be a long episode. And I don't. You know what? That's okay, y'all. Y'all can handle it. This comes um, from, and I cannot say her name, and I'm not. Sure. So I'm just going to read. I'm not going to say her name because I don't know if anybody really gives me permission. But um, it says, hi, Nikki. I think that this is my favorite episode. And I'm not sure which one she's talking about because I copy and pasted this one. So I found it very informative. I would like to suggest a follow up on helping dog owners figure out what rewards they can offer in those more distracting environment situations. I did like your example and how offering some great special food reward 10 feet or so from a squirrel might not be that valued, but it might be further when away from the squirrel. Um, so that's a really good question, right? But I think it's going to be, I can't, I don't think there's a blanket statement or a blanket answer for that because every dog is going to be different, right? If you give your dog, let's just say that your main reward is um grilled chicken mm-hmm. right you pull apart chicken and the dog loves it oh you, i thought you meant like for you like your role no, no i'm talking about dogs now I was we're, like, we're man, still we're still in the dog podcast. thinking about that costco rotisserie yeah, no we're still we're still doing a dog podcast here <laughs> if my dog loves chicken but i give them chicken all the time it's going to lose the value in place of a squirrel mm-hmm so in these situations, I think you have to really get creative with what your dog likes and try to figure out what that is before you get to a squirrel. And the way I like to know if a dog really likes a reward or not, and this is how I gauge my clients' dogs, I will give them, because I keep three to five different type of treats in my bag. And many of them have different uh, textures. Mm-hmm. So I, I know when I can reach in, I can feel the different textures, and I, I know what they are. I go by the dog's reaction to eating that treat. Okay. If I give them a treat and they eat it and they're just kind of nonchalantly looking at me like, for you know, more. But if I give a treat and all of a sudden they do a whiplash looking back at me with this look on their face of, oh my God, how do I get another one of those? Then I know that that is a top-notch treat and that's the one I'm going to try with different distractions. Right. And, of course, any distraction, you're going to want to start at a distance, right? Set your dog up for success. Set you up for success. Um, But, again, finding a place, and I don't know where she's located, but find a place off where you can take your dog off leash on that time they see a squirrel. So if I see it, if if I'm somewhere, as a matter of fact, the other day when Myers and I were out in the woods, there was an armadillo. 
he didn't see it. But the second he was going to, if he was going to see it, mm-hmm. I was going to give him a command to get it. <laughs> Only because the armadillo was really close to its hole. <laughs> and I knew it would make it before he would. Because I knew he, he couldn't catch it. But just the reward of chasing it. So, like, squirrels are such a pain in the butt for most dogs. And it's very rarely they're going to catch them. But if you're somewhere where your dog sees a squirrel and you're able to immediately give them a command to chase, that's going to be more rewarding than anything. If you can't give them that option, then how about carrying a toy with you that's really kind of fuzzy that you can maybe toss away in the opposite direction and let them go get that? So there are ways to even give, kind of mimic that by tossing. It's not just food. Um, If I have a dog who loves to tug, I will, instead of chasing that squirrel, I'll present a tug toy and I'll play tug. So that's rewarding. So something like, because Isabella loves squirrels. Mm -hmm. Have you tried doing something like a fuzzy thing to chase? I haven't because she's not super toy motivated. Um, I, I mean, I have done like food though that she doesn't normally get. So if I know that we're going somewhere where that distraction is going to be there, that's the only time she gets that treat. Chicken nuggies. Uh, and you just stop and get her chicken nuggies so you can get fries. Don't lie. Well, but I've just like hot dogs, for instance, right? Or okay. I mean, it's not always something healthy. I'm not going to lie. Like, well, but that's it's okay something that she's if not. You're, if you're not doing a lot of it, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. But I make sure she knows I have it before the distraction yes. is there. So good girl and give her that. And she's like, oh, hell, like what is How in do that? I earn that again? What is in that treat bag today yep. hiking? So she sort of knows that when we're hiking, there's there's probably something in there that she doesn't normally get that's pretty cool. Um, so that's that's what I've been doing with her because um, she she knows what the word toy means. She'll bring me a toy when I ask her to. We'll tug. She loves that. But when we're out somewhere where there's that type of distraction, she doesn't give a crap about toys. All right. So and if I threw it, she'd look at it and be like, "Whatever you threw it, you go get it." Why did you do that? that yeah, was stupid. And that again, it it depends on the dog. Yeah. So you have to play with it before you get yourself in those situations. Um, and especially, like she said, if you're going to go walking and you know that you've got a special high-value treat, go ahead before you even start the walk. Give your dog a little treat. Good boy. Give him a little treat. And he's going to be like, oh, my God, you have those today? Don't wait until the moment and think your dog is going to be like, oh, I wonder if there's something special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead and let him know you got something special. Right. All right. So good one. Good question. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is from a Belgian fan. Oh, hey, that's cool. And so some of her questions, uh, let's see. Uh, She's got several, actually. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I would love to hear about your personal experience with breeds, well, with breeds, with breeds such as Chow's, about their genetics or trainability, really anything. Oh, boy. Um, So, and why do you think is that he has suddenly lost all interest in his teddy bears since he's been with us when his previous owner totally loves them? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer these two questions. One, chows are a very special breed. Um, you don't see them much anymore. When I first started training about 26 years ago, everything was a chow mix. Every a lot of we so yeah. many chow mixes. When I first started working at a, at the vet, chow mixes everywhere. Yeah, 
and I don't know what happened, <laughs> but you don't see them very many. Um, I have probably trained two full-blooded chows in my 26 years, maybe three, literally. There's just not that many. Chow mixes, yes. But... And 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 I think maybe in other countries, um, they're they're probably still very yeah. popular. Yeah. Um, in Europe and Asia, yeah, I think they're still very popular, and that's, I mean, they're they're a royal breed. Yes. And so, and, and they're a very aloof, breed. very aloof, and they're typically a one owner. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to connect to much more than that. Therefore, in their mind, that one owner is the is the one that they are with. So they're not really into listening to others. <laughs> but they're also really not that interested in listening to you because they're a very independent dog. And um, they're not going to necessarily be, and again, just because they that's their breed and they have the genetics doesn't mean that that's what you're going to see. Just know they have the predisposition of it, right? Mm-hmm. But they're they're kind of like uh life's like guardians they're not bred to listen to you they're bred to do their own thing they have a job and they're bred bred to do their own thing i honestly to tell you the truth and i probably should have looked this up before i got on here is i don't know what chows were bred to do other than be royal dogs uh which tells me that they would be kind of a larger version of your lap dogs like cavalier king charles so brit's gonna look that up um, I can tell you that more than likely what's happening with the teddy bear issue, it could be that um, the teddy bear that your dog, that the, that your dog, uh, it was a, ch- a chow, had in his previous home, he may have had that teddy bear because that was his security blanket and that he felt like he needed to soothe himself. If it was a toxic environment, if he was not comfortable, if he was nervous, it could be that now he doesn't feel like he needs that teddy bear because you've given him that security and you've given him that um, comfort and consistency. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, and it could be that they were misinterpreting that he actually loves them. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't think too much about it. If I was going to put any thought into that, it would be that he just doesn't feel like he needs it. And what he needed it for before um, you guys was not a positive reason. Did you find anything over there? Uh, yeah, I mean, they were originally bred for livestock guardians. That's what I thought. Okay. And, and hunting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it sort of evolved to being more of a a pet. Well, a lot of people would use them as protectors. And they are protect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, Which makes sense. Livestock guardian. Well, and, and I think the reason we've seen a decrease in the United States, I mean, I don't have statistics on this, but I'm just going to throw something out there is because we were starting to see a, a lot of aggressive behavior with them. We did. Um, one, they weren't getting the enrichment they needed. And two, once, once a breed sort of becomes a novelty, they're overbred. They're not well-bred. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so those, those genetics do start coming out as well. And you're starting to see them, you know, biting kids and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But uh, that's, you know, not necessarily the dog's fault. Just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. Um, I love these next, I'm gonna put these next three little PowerPoint, or these little bullets she put in, these these next three kind of go together because this is a very common issue, especially with this breed. And really, let's talk about any livestock guardian breed you could associate this with. Hey guys, that's enough. The guys decided to start playing here. Um, Whenever we're like right in the middle here. All the, all Thank the time. you. Good job, guys. All right. 
So, the next three things that she mentions, how to train recalls outside the house and guardian, a guardian, outside the house and garden with dogs that aren't very interested in pleasing their humans. Um, I still feel like I have to bribe him with food too much. Is this normal at this stage or should I try something different? And then I'm almost afraid to even bring it up, but is it really stubbornness with Chow's or are they just not that smart? And she put still love him to death though. Um, so I think that we kind of go back into that whole livestock guardian. They were not bred to listen to you. They were bred to work independently. So how do we deal with a dog that we need to come when they're really not interested in pleasing their human? Here's the thing about pleasing their human. Do I think that dogs do things for us to please us? I do not. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. I don't think dogs give a shit about our happiness. <laughs> okay. Let's be real. For them, it's all about what is what's in it for me. And if you are my if you are my kind of gateway to get that, mm-hmm. then okay, I'm going to make sure I'm doing the things that I need to do. Doesn't mean I'm trying to please you. I'm actually just trying to get my reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the reward has to be worth it, and that is where you have to play with it. Mm-hmm. Think outside the box with your chow. So you are still doing some reading. We took a quick little break to shut up Myers. And I you did, said that so mean. Like, I know. I didn't mean it that way. We didn't shut him no, up. No, we didn't. We just, but, and then I we had gave this, him something else to do. And I got some more wine. <laughs> okay. Gave him something else to do. Um, yeah, because they are, they're a herding breed, a hunting breed, protector. Um, and then, obviously, sort of then went into this lifestyle of aristocracy. Oh, I did nice it. job. I did it. And uh, we've, we've wrestled with that word today. Well, it's because we're listening to Morbid Podcast. Yeah. Ash and Elena were struggling with that. Um, Ash was, was struggling. We get you, girl. And so, beca- and they do tend to be, like, okay with sort of, like, sedentary life now. So, they're a... A chill breed. They're a pretty chill breed, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, that's that was sort of what I was looking up uh, over here. I That's think why it, I was distracted and aloof. No, that was good. Oh, nice. Sorry. You're your chow. <laughs> I think what I would do, hearing of kind of what the chow likes to do with hunting, and, and again, just because they're predisposed to this doesn't mean that they're actually into it, but I'm going to use a long leash. So I'm going to use a 30 to 50 foot leash to start teaching the dog what come means. My reward, I'm going to have to get creative, right? Does my chow love to tug? Maybe tugging only happens whenever you come when I ask you. Does my child love to hunt with his nose? If that's the case, I'm going to teach a go hunt command. Every time I call him, I'm going to praise him, and I'm going to tell him to go hunt where there's a reward that he can locate, right, a few feet away. You just kind of have to get creative and figure out, is there a special treat that your dog absolutely loves that he only gets when you're out working on recall? Yeah. It's it's challenging, um, but the other thing is, when you have a dog that's that's aloof, that's not bred to really pay attention to you, don't overuse the word "come," and maybe "touch" would be a better word to use that you do reward a hundred percent of the time. I honestly think we overuse the word "come" mm-hmm. um, instead of teaching what it means. And then using it when needed 
and using it appropriately and not just to end fun and good times because that's, again, how people normally do it. But I think that if you just, you've got to, you just got to play with it. I, I don't have any simple answers to that. You just have to play with it and use what your dog finds as really rewarding. Yeah. And then as far as the teddy bear, because I think that's interesting. When, so when Jake came to live with me and he'd been with another family, like these were his favorite toys. And suddenly I'm like, this dog doesn't care about toys. Like what the hell? Like he doesn't want anything to do with these. And again, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that rewards have an association with them. There's a cue that goes with a particular toy. So if I took Isabella's favorite toy into the woods, like she's not going to care that I threw it into the middle of the woods. And she like, until she gets home and she's like, where's my alligator? Yeah. Right. Like what the hell? Um, and, and so I think it's at, all right, switch it up. What is it that he wants now? Yeah. Because that teddy bear has an has a, an association with a play like they're not like children in that oh my god i left my teddy bear at the hotel exactly we have to go back there's a there's a freaking breakdown i have one that i that's been with me for 41 years i still have my original blankie and it's been it's traveled all around I mean, the world you know bandit my little stuffed dog right yeah. so they're not like children in that regard I mean, I've I've seen some videos of some golden retrievers that might be like that. Yeah, but, no kidding. But you know, most dogs aren't going to associate that teddy bear with being its favorite toy, except in a certain situation. Maybe it gave it comfort there. Um, there's a positive association with it. You know, whatever the case may be. I but, mean, maybe the the family was happy and giggled and laughed when they played with the teddy bear. And so the dog learned that this is how you elicit a response from the humans by playing with your teddy bear. Otherwise, or, it's a very stressful environment. Or it was a comfort. Or it was a comfort. It was a pacifier. Right, exactly. So, you know. And now they don't need it. Right. And so I replaced all of Jake's toys, going mm-hmm. back to Jake. And then those were his favorite toys. Yeah. Because that was... And then it changes. It does. Even when we moved to a different house, Yep, it changed. So I, I think that those things sort of have um, associations attached with them. And if all those things don't line up, especially when you have a dog that's as, you know, obviously a dog doesn't think with the same logic that a human would, but sort of these things don't align then it's like, okay, well, then why is this here? Right. I don't need this. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not happy or he doesn't. He actually may be more happy. Love toys or, yeah, I don't know what the situation before was. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe maybe it just doesn't fit into his life now and where he's at. Yeah, that's true. Nice. Nicely done. We have one more listener question, but I'm going to hold it off to the next one. Okay. So, uh, because I think it's it's a long question, and I, it's probably going to take some time. And since we've already gone way more than we normally do, um, so uh, Tanya from Canada, uh, I will be answering your question on the next episode, or at least in a couple weeks, um, because after this episode, I think next week we're going to go ahead and launch the one that we recorded about loyalty. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that backed off the one that we did last week. But I wanted, I just, I felt like I needed to throw this one out this week. So Tanya, I will um, answer yours uh, in a couple weeks. So just keep listening for that. Uh, but yeah, these were, this was good. This was good. I like this. And we went much longer than we normally do, but I'm not putting this in two parts. We're just going to put it in one part. Y'all can yeah. listen to it in parts if you want. Sorry. But uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. We appreciate you guys. Uh, got any lasting words there? You had some, that was a really good that you brought in. That was good. So um, I hope you guys enjoy uh, the episodes that we're putting out. If you have ideas, please let us know. If you can answer any of our questions that we put out there to win prizes. Yep. You got to listen to figure out what those questions are. Uh, send us an email at podcast at dogspeak101.com or info at dogspeak101.com. If you uh, want a question answered on air, please send us that question. And also, don't forget, if you need help with your dog, we can do a Zoom consult with you. I'm here for you. Uh, We've been getting quite a bit lately, and it's fantastic. I'd love to help you guys. So we love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Don't forget to get on the website and get the new merchandise. Be sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok. And look out for Gray's videos, man. He's doing a really good job. So check those out. Those videos are on our YouTube page, but you can also find them on our website at dogspeak101.com. Love you guys. Appreciate you. And I hope you have a great rest of the week.